Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Bespoke Brewing Solutions. Bespoke Brewing Solutions designs and manufactures equipment that allows breweries to produce high-quality craft beverages with increased cost-effectiveness and faster turnaround times. The BBS team has eight years of solid teamwork together and more than 10 years' worth of experience in manufacturing brewing equipment. BBS now has representatives around the world in America, Australia, New Zealand and, of course, China. Having a team in China that speaks the local language allows BBS to oversee all aspects of their clients' projects from initial layout designs all the way through to equipment testing before shipping. BBS has equipment represented in 16 countries, which means they've sourced equipment and designed brew house configurations for every type of brewery you can imagine in every situation. BBS also offers consulting services from brewery commissioning, recipe formulation and equipment training on brew day to the packaging of your finished product. If you've never started a brewery before, they're here to help. And if you're an experienced brewer, they speak your language. Visit bespokebrewingsolutions.com. That's bespokebrewingsolutions.com to get in touch with one of the team to discuss your project ideas and to show you the bespoke way. I'm Nick Law. And you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello craft beer nerds and brewers and welcome to another sesh on the Hot 4 podcast. So this week we're looking at crowdfunding. Now I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening to this who runs a brewery or some other business has probably thought at some point where we're going to get some more cash to invest in our business. Maybe you've got some grand plans to extend your brewery to um, open another tap room or bottle shop or just to grow you know grow what you're doing maybe you've got a new product you want to launch crowdfunding can be a fantastic way of doing that and it's so easy and tempting with crowdfunding to think that all you need to do is go on to one of these websites and throw some text up there and you know 40 quid for a t-shirt and all the rest of it and the masses have come flocking in waving their money at you being like please please let me buy let me buy but it's it's hard work i i used to work for a record label and we worked with a lot of artists and one of my jobs was to help guide them through crowdfunding and there's so much work involved getting a crowdfunding campaign just up to the starting line things like making sure you've got some investors on board before it goes live so as soon as it goes live their money's already in the bag and people can log on and be like, oh my goodness, they've raised like six grand within 10 minutes. That's amazing. You know, all that stuff's already been pre-agreed if you ever see that sort of stuff because you need to do homework with these things. I've been thinking a lot about raising funds and crowdfunding uh, for something I'm looking to do. So I'm looking to set up Emmanuel's properly. So I've had my head in finance mode. How I'm going to pay for it? Is crowdfunding a way forward? What other schemes are there to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity no, uh, to generate the, the, the money I need? But along with that, I've also been thinking about the risks involved. As I'm sure many of you listening to this will be painfully aware, there have been several breweries 
over the last few weeks announced that they're closing, the most notable of which is Kellam Island Brewery in my hometown of Sheffield. That is so significant because so many breweries have come out of Kellam Island. Magic Rock, Abbeydale Brewery, Thornbridge Brewery, and from Thornbridge Brewery came Brewdog. And love them or hate them, they've been probably the most influential brewery on the modern craft beer scene in the UK and possibly beyond. If you read Brew Britannia by Jessica Boak and Ray Bailey, there's a family tree which outlines all the different breweries that have come out of some of the main players of which Kenham Island is one of the main breweries. So it's hugely significant. Another brewery to announce their closing recently was Cheshire Brewhouse. I'm gutted. I'm genuinely gutted for Shane, who's a quality bloke and makes amazing beer. That's that's tragic. You know, I'm so gutted. Like Shane's beers are phenomenal beers. Like it's it's so sad for the the brewing scene in the UK. With both those breweries, it's such a loss to the UK beer scene. And we need not to take for granted what we have. So I've had all this swimming around in my head. Like, it's the one hand, you've got these breweries closing. And on the other hand, it's I'm thinking about setting something up. I'm not looking at setting up something like, you know, the next Thornbridge or whatever, um, you know, be, be much smaller than that. But nonetheless, it, it forces you into a place of thinking, what if this doesn't work? What am I willing to put on the line to make this work? How am I going to generate the capital I need to get off the ground and then to grow this business and sustain it? These are all questions when you're thinking about crowdfunding that you have to contend with because not only are you trying to raise money to get off the ground or go to the next level, but you're risking other people's money to see your dreams be fulfilled. These are questions I'm sure that my guest today has been wrestling with. I found out recently that Duration Brewing are crowdfunding to expand their capacity and build an immersive tap room and kitchen in their historic 10th century Priory site. If you're unfamiliar with Duration, they're based in Norfolk and they make some absolutely incredible beers. Not only are they going to make a glass-fronted immersive tap room, which will enable people to see the brewing journey from literally from grain to glass, they're looking to enhance their sustainability credentials with rainwater recapture and a fruit orchard. I mean, just amazing stuff and an amazing vision. So if you're familiar with the Hot 4 podcast, you'll remember Miranda Hudson came on the show a while back during lockdown, I think it was, to talk about duration. And I got on really well with Miranda. So I invited her back on the show to have a catch up and to find out all about their crowdfunding campaign. So if you stay tuned towards the end, you'll get to hear about the brewery's official beer of the crowdfunder called For The Duration. I mean, come on, come on. Whoever came up with that pearl of a name is just genius. That's a pale ale with some soft bitterness and tropical citrus notes. I'm actually looking forward to trying that myself. They did a road trip to help promote the crowdfunding campaign and it's about to go live. So if you stay tuned to the end of this episode, you'll get to hear Miranda talk about how you can read their pitch deck and how you can go and help the brewery. But as part of this episode, I want to chat to Miranda a little bit about her experience of crowdfunding to give us some tips as brewers and listeners to the podcast on 
how to run a crowdfunding campaign, what sort of things you need to think about when you're crowdfunding. So I really hope this discussion with Miranda Hudson from Duration Brewing really helps you in growing your business. Not only is Hot Forward a brewing industry dedicated podcast, but we also provide creative media solutions and consultancy for companies and people who are looking to get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hot Forward works with a range of diverse enterprises from across the world of beer to provide branding and marketing consultancy, brewing and business advice, and bespoke creative solutions to help you hot rocket your way to success. Check out hotforward.beer for more info or connect with us on social media at hotforwardbeers. Finally, don't forget to thank our sponsors who make this show possible on a weekly basis. Today's episode of the Hot Forward podcast is proudly sponsored by Bespoke Brewing Solutions. Bespoke Brewing Solutions designs and manufactures equipment that allows breweries to produce high-quality craft beverages with increased cost-effectiveness and faster turnaround times. The BBS team has eight years of solid teamwork together and more than 10 years worth of experience in manufacturing brewing equipment. BBS now has representatives around the world in America, Australia, New Zealand, and of course, China. Having a team in China that speaks the local language allows BBS to oversee all aspects of their clients' projects from initial layout designs all the way through to equipment testing before shipping. BBS has equipment represented in 16 countries which means they've sourced equipment and designed brew house configurations for every type of brewery you can imagine in every situation. BBS also offers consulting services from brewery commissioning, recipe formulation and equipment training on brew day to the packaging of your finished product. If you've never started a brewery before, they're here to help. And if you're an experienced brewer, they speak your language. Visit bespokebrewingsolutions.com That's bespokebrewingsolutions.com to get in touch with one of the team to discuss your project ideas and to show you the bespoke way. For now, grab a beer and let's crack open today's discussion. Today on the Hot Four podcast, I'm joined yet again by Miranda from Duration. Hello. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. It's not often I have guests on the Hot Four podcast twice, so uh, you, you're amongst a, a select few. Oh, I feel very honoured. I, I would if I were you. Um, <laughs> cool. So, I mean, you've got some exciting news. Why don't you tell our listeners what you've been up to? Well, I mean, other than running a busy brewery, um, we've decided it's time to take the next step and sort of um, bring duration into the next phase. That That's something we'd already actually planned about doing, um, but we want to build a permanent taproom at the brewery and invite drinkers right to the heart of our, our sort of site, which is a stunning site, as we talked about in the last podcast. It's a 16th century converted priory. Um, until now, we've mostly had like a, a small shop there, and last summer we opened a tap room under that sort of COVID haze of mm. being outside um, and it really took off. So we thought we've always wanted a tap room at the brewery. And, you know, we'd always imagined being this sort of destination farmhouse brewery that's a slightly different offer to a lot of other breweries in the UK. And we never knew whether, you know, people would come out and see us because we're in, 
West Norfolk in quite a rural, small village. Um, it's beautiful. It's full mm. of farm. Um, you know, at the minute, it's especially nice because there's, you know, all the lambs and the goslings and piglets and all the bluebells, and, you know, the barley's coming up. So everything's coming to life on the farm, so to speak. Yeah, so we thought, let's do a crowdfund. Amazing. So am I right in thinking that you launched Duration just before lockdown 2020? Is that right? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, it was actually like the very tail end. I think the first beers that we brewed, we, we, got, the, we got the build done over a year. We installed the equipment and then we started brewing in October, which meant we had, you know, our first three beers ready to share in December. So we actually launched, well, the day someone voted in Boris Johnson on that, yeah. on that, I don't know who it was. I had no I, idea. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was the 12th of December, 2019 that we launched. And obviously, like everyone else, we had no idea that our first two years operating would be, um, you know, in a world pandemic. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, funny times, but it actually has taught us a lot and we've learned a lot. Um, you know, we, we were really lucky that we'd done a lot of collabs before we opened. So it was relatively easy to get those first beer sales underway. And um, yeah, we had, well, I'd say two solid months of trading um, before that March 2020 kind of hit us all like a brick. Yep. Um, but then our, our web shop took off a little bit and, um, you know, we didn't have pubs to sell to. So we became an entirely packaged brewery just putting into cans and bottles and our, our um you know we weren't sending out pallets we were more sending out lots and lots of boxes out to drinkers at home um and then when people were able you know pubs turned into bottle shops and off licenses so so we managed to actually grow in in the pandemic we sort of um yeah we've we've pretty much from when we opened we had three tanks now we've got eight um, in our cellar. And yeah, we went from opening with, you know, just three people to now we've got about nine full-time equivalent. Right, okay, on. wow. So we've pretty much trebled our output and our team. And um, and with the with the taproom opening last year, we kind of run out of space to to welcome people in. And we're really overwhelmed at how how much people like visiting a brewery on their holiday as opposed to, you know, just it, when they're in their city. So lots of people flock out to Norfolk anyway. It's a, it's a lovely tourist sort of destinational place. Um, we're right near all the beaches and, you know, it's it's a nice place to come for a little getaway. Mm. So Aprams filled, I'd say 30% with, you know, people from surrounding villages that have gotten to know us. And then, and then, maybe another 30% from beer specific people that just love visiting breweries. And then, and then the rest is sort of the tourist trade. So I think, I think it'd be really nice to have a brewery at the tap room. That's probably more of a summer focus, but um, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think it is about duration then um, specifically that draws people to your location? Um, because like quite often tap rooms are, you know, located within um, urban areas mm -hmm. and you get a lot of passing trade, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there's something quite brave, like you've done similar 
in a similar way that St. Mars of the Desert have done in Sheffield, where they're literally like in, in, I don't know if you've ever been, but they're like in an industrial area of Sheffield yeah. that you just, you wouldn't Thing, go yeah. to. And yeah. it's kind of like, you know, they often say like, oh, it's about football, location, location, location. But it sounds like from in your instance, and as it is with theirs, it's kind of like, if you build it, they will come, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So what what is it, do you think that lo- draws people um, to duration? Um, I mean, people love beer everywhere, right? So mm. let's not forget, there's, there's, a, there's a good populace of people that live in Norfolk and East Anglia that enjoy good beer. And they're probably used to having to go to, you know, Manchester or London or Cambridge or, you know, to a slightly bigger town to, um, to get that proximity to, to breweries. So we were a bit like far and away, you know, we wanted to put our stake in the ground for those rural communities. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we, you know, most people do have to drive to get to us. We're about 10 miles. So you could get a train to Kings Lynn and, um, and bring a bike with you and come out that way. But we, we get a lot of people who are, um, yeah, either either from East Anglia and and sort of are really proud that it's not just cities that are getting breweries wanting to establish around here. And you know, there's a ton of microbreweries, nano breweries, cask breweries around here already. Um, so I think I think it just gives a different offer in a way. I love going to um, you know city brewery tap rooms and um, and I, I love all different places where you can enjoy beer. So I think I think this appeals because it because it is a little bit different. So people can really connect it to their leisure time. It's not just a thing you do on a Friday night because mm. your friends go down the pub kind of thing. It's more like let's go and learn about beer and beer that connects to its landscape. And you know, I want to pass those barley fields and really think about what's in my glass. And I think our beers offer that um experience if you like yeah so i mean talk, talk about the the crowdfunding specifically i mean i didn't know you you didn't have a tap room uh, like a, a dedicated tap room um and, until i saw your mail out so j- just talk me through that process of how you came to that decision how you planned for it and, mm-hmm. and how you're executing that plan right so the site we're in is this 16th century priory that was probably built from a 10th century priory <laughs> before it. Um, so it's this big cavernous kind of two-roomed, two-chambered um, stone barn that's got lovely oak beams and it's it's arrow slits, it, um, you know, big sort of buttressed walls and big sort of double barn doors on it. And um, to put a brewery in a remote location, you know, breweries use a lot of water, they use a lot of power, and they need they need a lot of infrastructure to run. So when we were developing the site into a brewery, um, we put in um, the kit, and then our cellar was relatively empty. And in these last two years, we've started filling it up as we've had more demand for our beers. Um, so when we were doing the initial design, we really had to think about how big we wanted to be, where we wanted to be at year one, year two, year three, so that we could negate those growing pains that small breweries have 
when they get popular and then mm. they need, you know, throw everything out and put a new brewery in that's bigger. So we, we, we kind of put quite a big brew house in and then we just have to add in the tanks as we go. Um, and so there was this whole end of the barn that we really weren't going to use for the brew house. You know, even if we get up to small brewers relief kind of cutoff level, which is 5,000 hectolitres um, a year, um, we still had this whole end of the barn that that wasn't going to be put over to the brewery mm. unless it's become a really big brewery, which I don't think we do. Um so we'd always had it in our sights and it was like the piece of the jigsaw that um, we had to open and just see if people would come in order to do that extra investment to put a tap room there. So so COVID in a way was really helpful because we got to, um, you know, just really put up some tables and chairs and a few tents and make a small bar to put, you know, six or so lines on. And we we did that last April and were busy right across the summer, you know, having hundreds of people pass through on a sort of Friday, Saturday, mm. had a food offer as well, you know, some street food. And, um, and so we just thought to ourselves, well, this is, is brilliant. And COVID has taught us we can't always rely on all our route to market being open, you know, all pubs were shut and you couldn't get things over any borders to export and, so, yeah, so having some brewery managed retail is um, is, a, is a good margin on the beer. And it's also a really nice way to engage with your drinkers and, um, you know, get feedback and they can tell you what beers they like and you can sit down together and really, you know, that's, I think that's the fun bit about being yeah. a brewer. We, we have an amazing um, network of wholesalers and um, independent bottle shops and bars that we absolutely love. So we're not trying to, you know, take their trade. You know, we still need all of those people to be our ambassadors. But but we we learned that when they're not always able to be in play, actually having a little bit of a self-resilient sort of way of making income is really helpful. So yeah, I think I think last year showed us that people will travel. And people do want to come and have, you know, a slightly different offer in maybe a farmhouse approach. And um, and then we've got this big empty part that we'd always imagined as where we'd put the tap room. And, you know, we, we've got a small shareholding. Bates and myself are majority shareholders. So we always imagined, well, let's save one slice of the company shares to build a tap room because... I'd want the people that have supported us since day dot and followed our story and drunk the collabs that we did early on um, to be invited to be part of our company. Um, I think that's just a really nice way to connect with your wider community. Mm. So, so yeah, we'd, we'd kind of always envisioned it. We maybe didn't know when it would happen and why not now? Yeah. So, <laughs> take us from from that point then where you, you made the decision to mm -hmm. all the nuts and bolts of what you have to do um when you're trying to raise funds because I'm, I'm sure there are, there are lots of listeners to this myself yeah. included who's looking at setting up my own what i'm calling a beer cafe for emmanuel's um of like of how to raise funds 
Um, because, you know, I, I talk to a lot of brewers and sometimes I ask, I ask that question, oh, how did you manage to fund this? And it's kind of some people like, oh, yeah, you know, got a huge payout from redundancy or what, you know, mm. I had an uncle who's exceptionally wealthy, you know. Um, yeah. But oh. obviously that's not the case for a lot of people. So it's, it's a case of bootstrapping and, and crowdfunding and stuff. So I'd, I'd love to know some of the nuts and bolts of, mm -hmm. of to, to mm -hmm. do a crowdfunding campaign on your level. And I mean, how much are you trying to raise? So we're trying to raise um, half a million. Right. And we've also got some stretch goals that will see us out over the next couple of years, you know, like to make the brewing life easier, adding a fourth vessel in, modifications on the canning line. Right. So it's a reasonably significant amount you're trying to you're trying to raise yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. So so talk us through nuts and bolts of like of what you need to do to raise that amount and how that kind of crowdfunding works. Mm -hmm. Well, what we did first was we made our wish list. So we were like, what would be the minimum that we need to raise? Because it is a big undertaking. So to to justify stepping out of your daily operational duties and like planning this whole campaign, it, it, it costs time and money. So we thought the three things we really, really want to put in the brewery is a tap room, some extra expansion in the brew house so that we can make more beer. And then we want to add rainwater recapture um, we've already got a water treatment plant, but sustainability and brewing efficiently go hand in hand. So mm. it makes sense to focus on those three things. So taproom, production and sustainability and half a million pounds would enable us to do a real good amount of what we want to do there. And then we had stretch goals of when we jotted them all down and totted them all up, it was about an extra another extra 500,000. So, yeah, we're looking to raise between half a million and a million um, so the first thing was to make the price list, the wish list. Um, and then I think it's about communicating what you want to be doing. And if you're inviting a big crowd of people that might be putting in, you know, 50 pounds, 250 pounds, there might be a few big hitters in there that want to come in more from a business perspective, but we're, we're expecting the vast majority of people to be people that have seen us out and about that. They might have, you know, a little bit of funds and think, well, instead of doing those trainers or that, you know, three day holiday this year, I'm going to put it into this instead. So, yeah, we thought if we're speaking to a big crowd of, of beer loving people, we need to make sure we communicate really well what they're going to be getting for mm. coming in us. And I think I hope a lot of it is just supporting a small independent business to grow. But also, you know, the taproom, I think, makes it very tangible for people because it's something they can partake in as well. Yeah. You know, a mezzanine grain store, for example, is a great thing to have at a brewery. But <laughs> yeah, Joe Bloggs might not really care about that. So, you know, we had to make sure that if we were asking people, it needed to be a raise that was relevant to them and something they could feel they got value from as well. And then we teamed up with um, Johnny Garrett, who runs a craft oh, beer yeah. And um, he's run a few um, breweries, crowd funds in the past. So we thought he'd be a good guy to have on board. So he's whipped us into shape and helped us develop a campaign around what we're doing. Um, so, you know, we planned a beer to go with the campaign, which meant we had, we, we, our production schedule, you know, is planned out two months ahead so yeah there was there was a lot of work actually with crowdcube as well and it's been a really i'd say enjoyable process um 
you know, they've they've got a team that sit with you and kind of look at your pitch, look at your page, look at your deck, everything that you're going to be sharing. Um, and they need to check it from a due diligence and legal perspective, um, a financial perspective. And then also just the, does it communicate well? And is it, you know, are your rewards suitable? Mm. And uh, so, yeah, we, we, we basically put the brew in the schedule. We've called the beer for the duration and that's available now on our web shop and across bottle shops. We're actually running a tour um, to go around and, and um, have the beer available in tap takeovers where people can come and ask questions to myself or Bates. So, yeah, we brewed the beer. Then we filmed a video, which I really enjoy. I really love like, <laughs> communicating. I like talking with all of our customers and uh, being out in the world, let's say. Bates, our brewer, is a little bit more reserved and he tends to like focusing on the beers. And, you know, that's how he gives out is, is through the product. Um, but he's great on camera. He, he hates it, but he's, he's really good on camera. So, yeah, we filmed the video. We brewed the beer. And then um, we we reached out to lots of venues who've supported us since early days um, and, you know, orchestrated a road trip so that we could kind of jump on trains and go all around the country um, to kind of talk about what we're planning to do and give people a real opportunity to, you know, find out whether they want to invest and why they should invest and what what the timeline is and all the nuts and bolts that um, you might want to ask before the campaign goes live. So yeah, that was the, the kind of process. It's probably been about a good couple of months work yeah. to do all of that. And now we're about a week away from launching. We go live on like the 25th of May. So yeah, we're, we're a little, a little over a week away. So now we're kind of going to start doing a countdown on our socials yep. and getting people to sign up to uh, express interest and then you know we'll be communicating both on socials and on our mailing list and um telling people like now's the time head on in yep um, i mean it, it sounds like a very well executed campaign and um I've, I've had some experience doing crowdfunding when i worked for a record label with artists and um you know there's so much work involved that people don't realize a lot when it comes yeah. to generating funds and, and a lot of that's groundwork so when i saw you out on tour i mean i wanted to come actually to um bar stewards but i, I couldn't make it in the end um in sheffield because i know you were there um but when, when i saw that i thought that's absolutely brilliant because it's what i think really ultimately drive sales is that personal connection and if people can have that personal connection with another human being and they can look in the white of their eyes and, and talk about it and see that passion it's so much more infectious than seeing just on social media in isolation oh we're crowdfunding you know because you're scrolling through your feed and you're just like yeah, yeah you, you and everyone else <laughs> is trying to sell me something you know also you can't you can't come at people bluntly you know mm. i think one works really hard for their money yep and with how the world is at the moment, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so if you've got a spare 50 quid, it's probably really important to you at the moment. So I, I felt like um, if if people want to part with their hard-earned cash, they're going to have to like us, know us, and understand what we're doing it for. So to me, going on a road trip seemed like the best way to do that. And 
sitting down, having a beer together. You know, some people, they just want to meet you and it's not necessarily the crowdfund that they're doing it for. Um, but, you know, then there's also the opportunity to, to discuss it. So, yeah, I, I, I felt it was really important that we, we actually went round in person and gave everyone in all these different towns and cities that we're going to the opportunity to come meet with us and just find out what we're about. I think there's a lot you can't get off of words on paper. Yeah. You know, I think when you when you meet people and you see what they're about, and like you were saying, you can see their passion or you can see what they stand for and what they don't stand for. Um I think that's I think that's really important. Ultimately, we all work off of relationships, don't we? And yeah. you know, as a business, we're really interested in our product. We're also really interested in, in our sense of place. Um, but equally, the people that make that company are what people bu- will ultimately buy into. Yeah. I'd be interested just on your take on um, some of the, I guess, the brewery closures that are happening at the moment, most notably at, um, like Kellam Island announced recently, you know, that they're, they're, they're closing, which is, you know, devastating for Sheffield where I live. Um, you know, and, and and for the UK brewing industry, if you think of all the brewers that came through Kenham Island to then go on and set up places like Thornbridge and yeah. and, and then into Brew Dog, you know, it's it's it, it it's mad, you know. Um, but I, I guess I guess the question I'm kind of trying to get to is like um, you're taking this massive bold step um, at a very uncertain time in our economy and and in a very crazy decade so far I'm only two years into it um you know when breweries are starting to announce that they're closing like Mm -hmm. how how do you when when you see those things um over the internet like oh my goodness another one bites the dust like what goes through your mind and and what what do you think um I think that's not me (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, well yeah (laughs) it's really interesting I think the future and if you're um someone who believes in a different future the now of course timing's important and you can't go making things happen when it's not the right time but I I believe in in a future for beer and um you know I want to take beer somewhere a little bit different and other people are doing it and if you look at the states you know there's a different way that's a bit more inclusive that's a bit more relaxed it's more about your leisure and so, yeah, I, I always wanted to kind of break the mold a little bit. I'm not saying I've got these amazing, you know, reinvent the wheel type visions. But I think if you believe in something that's a different future, what's in the present and what's in the past isn't your focus. You're focused on where you want to get to. Mm. And I think if you look at the whole world, there's always going to be um, attrition. There's always going to be... Um, businesses that come and go um but that isn't reason to stop you having your dream and it isn't it isn't a reason to sort of say oh well let's just be really cautious and not do anything and just wait till everything kind of quietens over and eases up it's like when you when you become a parent you you know like there's never like a real perfect time is there but life continues yeah and you have to be reaching towards what you want in the world and not focused on what isn't going right in the world. So yeah, I think optimism is a strategy and it's, it's one I live by. And um, I, I want to make beer a inclusive, enjoyable, 
you know, leisurely thing that maybe isn't so focused actually on this particular beer and um, however, however people consume beer is totally their right and everyone can do it how they want. And I know a lot of people love collecting beers and, you know, checking them in and things like that. But I just really enjoy um, making my business a place where anyone could come. You know, we have all ages, we have all genders, we have um, people with children, people with dogs. And sometimes the beer is not, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of the day, but it's not the everything. And I think I'm in it from a hospitality sort of perspective where I want nice places to go out and enjoy. Um, so that's what I'm doing with my brewery. For Bates, um, it would be a different thing. He wants to push the envelope of beer itself and be like, I want people to understand mixed fermentation and what happens when you let the fermentation process slow right down and when you only work with, you know, beer's four base ingredients and maybe additions that go into the beer, you know, flowers, botanicals, that, that maybe just come from a local subset. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's his objective with brewing and, and it's to sort of execute pilsners, pale ales, lagers, wheat beers, stouts, you know, a broad breadth of quite traditional styles with modern efficiencies and maybe a little bit of a new look at them. So, you know, that for him, that's what duration is. It's, it's pushing the envelope of how people think of a beer and maybe it's not always a double IPA or it's not always, um, you know, loaded with hops. You know, he, he loves making beer sing mm. less in a way. So, yeah, but I, I just think it is it is unfortunate and, and everyone's tightening their belts. And I, I feel absolutely gutted for, you know, the companies that, that are finding it's just not viable for them right now and, and it's it's time to call it a day. But I also feel like that's the cycle that that happens in everything you look at. You know, flowers come up and they bloom and they go. It sounds really prophetic to sort of. No, no, like- I'm 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 totally into all that. You know, everything's cyclical. Um, I remember hearing <laughs> Pete Brown talking about like beer and 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 life and and the combination of the two things and and how it's only since the industrial revolution that we and in the invention of the light bulb and and the clock that we have yeah. this very linear nature yeah. and mindset that you know um i've moved out of the city so i'm all you know waxing lyrical about seeing the seasons come and go i think i i was saying at the beginning about goslings and piglets and all of that but it, but there is you know time is this thing that that has this cycle to it and um it's also i think especially specifically with breweries it's about the scale and the size that you are and you know so i think if you're a hobbyist and and small brewery it's quite it's quite a privilege in a way to not have to be so involved in the, the finance and profitability of it and you can sit there going I can get to make really nice beers and I can kind of run it with just a very small team and it means we can get to stay quite experimental in what we do and you know if you're a dare I say it brew dog <laughs> company um where you know you've you've put your product in in national grocery and international um bars and you know, expansion becomes something that you're kind of tied to. 
and um, profit becomes really important at that point. So when we set up, we really wanted to make sure the people and the products were at the fore of our business. So we did lots of things like um, we've got a staff equity scheme so that our senior management are, are shareholders in the company. We don't really, I think that's the first time I've said that publicly anywhere, but you know, we, we try to do things to think of how we can sustain ourselves as a business without being tied to the wrong things. So, so we did do a big fundraise really early on before we put the brewery together. Um, Bates and I sold our house. We approached the banks. We, um, we gathered together a small shareholding and we sort of said, you know, this is our vision. This is what we want in the future of beer. And we want to maybe take it out of adolescence and progress it to this place where, you know, everyone can come and it, it will be really delicious. And if you believe in that, get with us and this is the road we're going down. And I think if people feel compelled, they'll get behind that. So that, yeah. that's with us. Yep. I think there's some amazing values in it personally. I mean, the, the, what you were saying about the inclusivity um, is, is music to my ears particular moment and um i've ranted to a few people privately and so i'll put out some fermenting thoughts about um like families and yeah. going to tap rooms and spaces so we, we were in london recently this is the condensed version if anyone listened to this um but we were in london recently because i was i was 40 and uh -huh. um we, we we went to watch the wait for it, the back to the future musical which was absolutely phenomenal uh, it's like it was so insanely good and afterwards i was like you know i want to go somewhere where there's some like really nice craft beer and stuff and, and some decent food rather than just ending up in like a chain restaurant. And so yeah. I did, I did a bit of research and I found this one place and we went in and it was just like, it, it was heaving full of very stereotypical looking beer nerds. And we just <laughs> got shot this look from behind the bar with, with someone sort of shaking their head, looking at us like, no, not in here. Now yeah. I, I'm totally fine that there are spaces that, um, you know Hater. yeah oh, that yeah. just you know some creative children some don't but it's just like make it clear on your website you know, yeah make it, communicate that to people don't just like because we, we tracked you know a good 15 minutes for small people is quite a long way isn't it um yeah. particularly through london um and you know it, it that it just made me very sad and we did end up in a chain restaurant who did hospitality much better from that sense yeah. but I, I i love what you're saying about having that inclusive space um for all people because it's it's really important to remember i'm i'm sort of waxing lyrical now about this but it's really important to remember that um not everyone that drinks beer is a beer nerd and mm -hmm. um there's all kinds of people like you said that enjoy it and people that i'm sure are traveling to duration um, yeah. as, as just part of their general tourism and, and stuff so yeah. I, I i i've i play on a rugby team and um, i went out with the girls um, and we ended up going to a nightclub of all things. I'm 46. I can't believe it. I was so happy that my Fitbit told me I'd done like 22. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that's not a child uh, friendly environment. And, and I think you're right. I think the offer needs to be collectively that everyone can be catered for. And so, you know, I think there's there's different horses for courses and there's all sorts of things on offer out there for us to um, go to. And, and I'm not saying we should shut down anything that only lets certain people in. I think as long as collectively there's something on offer for everyone, then that's that's really important. And for me, you know, I've I've grown up 
as quite a, a gobby kind of woman. Um, I've got mixed race um, heritage. And, you know, so I probably felt at times, um, I never feel excluded, actually, because I'm just too, I wouldn't let that be. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've sometimes noticed what it's like to to not be the mainstream thing. So so for me, that, that means that how I've grown up, it's really important that... Um, I, if I do something, I don't want it to feel exclusionary. And I'm not saying I'm always going to get it right because I haven't walked the shoes of every every walk of life of person that you can be. Mm. Uh, but but I can do my bit, which is making people feel beer is accessible. And, you know, I remember walking in to the States and seeing a swathe of taps and just going like, I don't even know how to go up to the bar. What will I ask for? And, um, and thankfully I, I came across a really nice bartender who just said, well, what, what do you like to drink? And I said, well, I like um, a bit of cider and I quite like cocktails. And they were like, Oh, maybe you like a mixed firm beer, you know? And I think accessibility isn't, um, isn't an exclusive thing. It, you can work it into anywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think those things, like you say, they, they come out of your own values and or, mm-hmm. or at least they should if, you, if you're running a business, you know, it, it should, your business should be built on your value system. And I, I guess without going off on too much of a tangent, maybe that's what's uh, quite offensive in, in, you know, the beer industry when it's come to certain businesses either selling out or um, some of the questionable practices and so on. It's like if you offend someone's value system, particularly if you presented your values as being one thing and they're something else, yeah. you know, that's like really offensive. Yeah. I didn't really realise until I became a parent, you know, what you were saying about not really realising that this place wasn't quite suitable for you, your demographic. Um, and, you know, I remember... Mila turning adult, Mila turning three, and there was a a brew by numbers um, event, and and I took her along, and actually, she was really welcome there, and it was really embraced. But being on the Bermondsey Beer Mile, had it been a Friday night, maybe that the event was on at, it it, it would have been like a mismatch. So I think I think you don't really realise um, things aren't quite right until you're put in that yeah. situation. Well, it's quite a massive life-changing thing. But yeah, you, you don't know what you don't know until you no. experience it, do you? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on, on the show again. Um, oh, thanks the, for having the, me on. It's the, great. The, the big question is, how can people chip to the crowdfund? We've got a beer out for, for the duration. You can pick that up on our online shop or at uh, bottle shops across the country. And it's got a QR code on it that takes you in to our crowdfund page. Equally, if you go on durationbeer.com, um, you can find it there. Um, yeah. And then we've actually got a pre-registration period. So there's a 48-hour period from Monday um, the 23rd, um, where if you've pre-registered interest by a form on our website um, or on LinkedIn, any of our socials, um, then you get access to the shares and our pitch deck, you know, like, uh, 48 hours before it goes public on the 25th awesome brill well g- good luck with the the campaign and uh, I, I can't wait to see the the tap room come to fruition and actually come visit it so oh it's going to be beautiful we've got like a big stained like we want to do a big glass window at the end of the barn so it'll flood right light 
taproom, but it also means you can look out and see, you know, all the farming and agriculture and the lovely river that runs by the brewery. Or you could look back past the bar and kind of see the brewery operation. So Amazing. we're trying to that field to glass experience. That sounds cool. And like you're in a glass of beer itself. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes, and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing, and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers, and for another week, cheers. Cheers.